Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm here with my wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous, Star Wars-loving wife, Michelle. <laughs> hello, everybody. So good to have you with us. Happy Easter, everyone. We are recording this on Easter, Sunday, April 21st, 2019. Yes, happy Easter. Happy spring. Uh, the weather here has been great. Uh, so You brag to everybody I across know. the country Hello. now about our weather here in California. <laughs> this is why we pay taxes in uh, California. <laughs> that's true. Our taxes, gas prices, everything's crazy. Right? Here. But, you know. But yay! You can't complain too much. We're excited to be here. Yes, we are very excited to be here. Uh, thanks for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most anywhere you get podcasts. We have our own website. You can find us, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud. Best way to get us, however, is to subscri- subscribe to us. It's easy for me to say. <laughs> subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Sure. And uh, we love our subscribers, and we hope you all are also sharing the news about our podcast to others. We really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Tell a friend about us. Please, please, please. We really appreciate that. We also love to hear from you on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at Hyperion Adventures Podcast, and you can always email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And uh, as I always say, we love getting that feedback from all of you and uh, some great ideas coming in through emails mm-hmm. and some fun, fun on Twitter. Uh, that's, I think that we really love that the best. We've had a fun week this week with a lot of our friends out there on social media. And we had a fun week for ourselves. We just got back from Disneyland yesterday. Whoop, whoop. Went up for a fun <laughs> trip up there. We got to do a couple things. One, we are now proud owners of a piece of the Riviera. Yeah. So we're excited to check out uh, Walt Disney World's uh, newest uh, resort when that opens up here in December. So that's exciting stuff. And we'll be in there within probably, within, maybe early on, but possibly for sure within the first month month or so, so we'll give you a review of the Riviera when we get a chance to check it out. Right. We're uh, certainly thrilled about that. We know that there's been a lot of buzz about this resort. It's got some really great features to Mm -hmm. it. The look is amazing, Um, and the conveniences having... Different ways to get to different parks is going to be a blast. Yeah, so near Epcot in the Hollywood Studios and the Skyways right there with the station. It's going to be fantastic. We're so excited to check that out. Also, by the way, when we went to Disneyland yesterday, we got to see a, a sneak peek at the new live-action Aladdin that's hitting theaters uh, in next month. Right, and it's amazing how much they actually showed us. I was really impressed. That was way more than just a, like a trailer. Yeah. It really showed a lot of the great parts of that movie, and it looks awesome. We got to see a lot of the uh, the opening not necessarily opening but one of the big scenes at the beginning in the marketplace uh, that you know very well we're not going to you know teat or spoil oh, yeah. anything here uh, but you know we, we, it was a good look I, and we also got to see a little bit in the Cave of Wonders as well and that was a lot of fun uh, I thought it looked spectacular actually I'm excited to see this movie absolutely uh, the colors are just mm-hmm brilliant they just pop off the screen um the music uh, we all love it Mm -hmm. anyways uh i know that there's been some you know people commenting about trailers that have happened in the past but this really looked great and we also got to see some of the actual um artifacts used in the in the movie yeah we got they had a couple of the costumes one for aladdin and one for jasmine and they also had actually the lamp there on display and they also had some artwork some conceptual artwork that you could take a look at from it as well and the carpet oh the carpet that's right yeah i got a picture of the carpet carpet. as well yes the magic carpet is there so if you're going to disneyland go check it out Uh, it's there where uh, normally where uh, great moments with mr lincoln is that's where 
they're screening right. it. All that stuff is in there. Go check it out. Uh, but again, they give away a fair amount. So if you want to avoid any spoilers, then don't go check it out. But uh, we enjoyed it. Yes, we certainly did. And uh, it made me feel even more excited to go see that movie yeah, in the theaters. It really too. did. Me too. So enough about our fun week. Uh, let's talk about this week. We have lots of stuff for you today, including a new Halloween party that's coming to the Disneyland Resort, as is a new attraction, and Disney Cruise Line has a brand new captain. But let's yes. get to our main <laughs> topic of the week. As you know, we're counting down to the end of the Skywalker saga. We got the title just last week, The Rise of Skywalker. That's going to be episode nine. So as we lead into it, every month we're going to give you a look back at one of the previous Star Wars movies that's released, that have been released. This is our Star Wars Remembered series. Last month we did... Uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace. Today, we're going to do episode two, Attack of the Clones. Right. You know, and, you know, based on feedback that we got on social media from people, you wanted us to follow the timeline of the actual story. So mm -hmm. that's what we're doing. And like you said, we're going to go into episode two. We actually have a guest uh, joining yeah. us this yeah, week. Yeah, just a minute. So let's get to it. Let's not have him wait any longer. Let's get to our look back. Star Wars Remembered, episode two. Attack of the Clones. I will not let this republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, there aren't enough Jedi to protect the republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, Master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost him. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that. Anakin, don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the Council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, milady. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the Separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan, and together we will destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger you are. Begun this Clone War has. So that's right. That was the trailer for Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, as it came out uh, in uh, in 2001. Actually, is when that trailer uh, came out. Actually, I think that trailer came out in 2002. The teaser trailer came out right. in 2001. But uh, let's not hesitate anymore. Let's get our guest on here, who is yeah. a Star Wars fanatic, a Star Wars professional. Uh, you know him as the host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast and a regular friend of our show comes on all the time here is our good friend rob LeBerry. thanks for having me on guys i love captain kirk and i can't wait to talk about the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> live long and prosper right <laughs> well we really appreciate you joining us on easter and taking time out of your day to uh record this podcast with us 
What better way to celebrate than by talking Star Wars? That's right. Yeah. That's the way we always do it. So let's get to it. Uh, we're going to kind of go in this in the same way we kind of went through uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Kind of do some of the pre-stuff uh, leading up to the movie, then talk about the movie itself, the cast, uh, you know, critical reviews and such, and just kind of go through it and uh, just kind of give our impressions of the film. So let's get started here. Uh, so... Uh, the film actually air, uh, aired for the first time on May 16th of 2002, which actually happened to be on the exact same date as the 25th anniversary of Star Wars Episode Four. of course, A New Hope, which was kind of interesting. In yeah, that regard. yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, George Lucas ramped up the action for this film, if you may remember it, but kinda, you know the, the, what really scuffled with this film was the cringy romantic scenes, I think. <laughs> I think that's where we may, may people had the most problem with it. Don't you agree, Michelle? I would say. What are your thoughts, Rob? No, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but I, I will tell you this: this film is kind of special for Michelle and myself, and it's for a couple of reasons. First, uh, our first real date night together was going to see Monsters Inc. And you may wonder how that ties into this. Well, that was the film that the first teaser trailer was tied into for this. So we not only did oh, we go wow. see Monsters Inc. for the first time together, we saw the trailer, the teaser trailer for Star Wars Episode Two together. That was really fun. Yeah, I didn't I didn't remember that, but that is so cool. Yeah, that was kind of a cool little memory. Uh, as far as the film itself, Michelle actually flew out. She was still living in Florida at the time. I was living in California. She actually flew out got in line with me for the midnight showing of it and you know this was her first time that she'd ever gone and seen this uh at a midnight showing with the big crowd and everything right first time i ever stood in line for a movie uh to begin with and you know being the midnight showing um and just being out there with everybody it was just so electrifying you know it was so fun to be there, everybody really ready to see a new Star Wars movie. Right. So that kind of was our pre-hype. Uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff coming into it. I remember, again, we talked about this in the Phantom Menace a little bit. Uh, this was really the dawn of the internet for most people. They really got to check out more of the internet around this time. It was starting to get a little more speed. There was more stuff out there. And I remember between the Phantom Menace and uh, and uh, the Attack of the Clones, just being on like the force.net, like every day, like checking out pictures, uh, you know, checking out rumors. I was really excited about this. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Rob. Were, were you on the internet? Like I was checking this stuff out. Yeah. I mean, I've always been the type to get out there and try to get as much uh, of the trailer information as I could. I'm not really one for digging into the spoilers. I kind of like to experience the film, you know, as, as, clean as I can, um, but I generally have never considered most of the trailer information to be spoilers per se, so um, I know I would have been out there digging digging through the internet trying to get every little piece of it that I could. Um, and you know, it, it was definitely an event at the time. Right. And there was the big speculation at that time that was going on. You know, what what does this shot from the set mean? What does this picture mean and everything? And no one really I didn't I don't think I got any uh spoilers out of it, but it was I just was interested to see what was happening as you know, it was a three year delay in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and there's just so much information that and it, it was funny because this was the first time I was really able to uh, access it so easily. So I was kind of gobbling it all up whenever I got the chance. Uh, so as we said just a little bit ago, uh, the teaser trailer finally aired before Monsters, Inc. was released in theaters. That was in November of 2001. And it mostly was just uh, a lot of scenes cut together from the film with uh, Darth Vader's 
breathing in the <laughs> background, so which was kind of interesting. So um, I don't know what you thought, Rob, the first time you saw the tra- any of the trailers. Again, I mean, I was just basically looking to soak up as much of what I could glean to be the story out of it as I could. Um, I don't really have any specific memories of, of, you know, things that were jumping out at me when I watched the trailers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in all fairness, this is probably the, the Star Wars movie that I've watched the least. So, um, <laughs> why is for that? Much, for, yeah, for reasons <laughs> that you may have alluded to earlier. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was. I was still excited to see another Star Wars movie come out. I, I definitely had hopes that, um, you know, with the technology kind of proceeding, uh, you know, it was all kind of new using mm-hmm. a lot of the blue and green screen and Phantom Menace, um, and waiting to see how that was going to work out as it uh, as they came out with Attack of the Clones. Right. So, so it all led up. It was interesting stuff. I, I was I was eating it. Like I said, I just I just gobbled it all up. And whether they, you know, whatever he felt about the Phantom Menace, whatever he felt about this film, you know, obviously we didn't know what it was going to be like, but we were excited about it. Uh, the full trailer finally aired uh, on actually on television uh, first uh, on the Fox network uh, between of all things Malcolm in the Middle and the X Files, uh, and that was the first day debuted on March tenth of two thousand two when that uh, full trailer that we just played for you uh, at least. Most stuff earlier uh, came out. Uh, as far as the going to see the film ourselves, our excitement, like I said, uh, I bought tickets ahead of time, midnight showing, I, Michelle flew out, we were in line uh, for this film, everybody was excited, and we had a, a great time going to it. Michelle, this was your first time to get to wait in line and go see a right. midnight showing, right? Yes, absolutely, and I think um, I had actually worked part of the day before actually taking the flight out. So it was kind of a long day, but <laughs> definitely a fun and exciting day. No question. Rob, do you remember your first viewing of uh, Attack of the Clones? Uh, I actually cannot. No, I Obviously, can't. Obviously, struck mean... a real chord with the <laughs> <laughs> It's really the only Star Wars movie that I can think of that I cannot remember mm-hmm. where I first saw it and who I was with. Um, I suspect a lot of that has to do with uh, me having blocked it out psychologically and going to extensive therapy uh, to try to work through that, but I have not been successful yet. Yeah. Well, I, I think well, hopefully fact, this is helping right yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that we were still dating, um, it was, you know, a lot, it added a lot more to the right, excitement. Lot of, of it, to yeah. The excitement yeah, it sounds of like it that's a big sure. part of your, mm-hmm. part of your experience. Right. And I'll be expecting a bill. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So let's get to the film itself and the cast. Uh, a lot of the people that you saw in Phantom Menace returned for this one. Of course, Ewan McGregor uh, returned as Obi-Wan Kenobi again, doing a fantastic job. One of the few bright spots of this really uh, this film, if to be honest with you. I think you would agree, Michelle. Right. And here was one of the first times that you could really start seeing him try to capture a little bit more, you know, a little bit of the essence of the original Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. from episode four. It really know. does. That elevator scene. Yeah, right? like, exactly. you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, the chuckle and stuff. Yeah, yeah you can see funny. that he was really focusing on trying to uh, bring up some of those idiosyncrasies. Right. Rob, your thoughts on Ewan McGregor? Uh, obviously, I love Ewan McGregor. I thought, uh, you know, he really committed to trying to soak up as much of the mannerisms and the speech of uh, Alec Guinness as he possibly could. And it was very committed to making the character believable, uh, you know, watching some of the uh, some of the extras that came with this particular movie. You know, he he makes a lot of uh, fond jokes about his Jedi mullet uh, that he was sporting in this movie. <laughs> right, so right. That was certainly uh, amusing. And you just I mean, he always seemed to to 
be the person that was carrying the film most of the time, and he just clearly loved playing that role so much, and it was infectious. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Really, really a bright spot in this film for sure. Um, I was watching the extras on the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and I don't know why they put it on this one versus episode with episode one, but he was talking about his first experience, a of going to a movie theater. And that it happened to be Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. He was going, he, he said he was six, he was going with some of his family because his uncle was in it. And he thought, oh, this is going to be fun, first time I see, you know, my uncle on the big screen. And he said, and then he realized, this was a Star Wars movie and it was awesome for him. Yeah. So it was an interesting th- way, listening to him talk about it and describe it in his, you know, first connection with Star Wars Again, I don't, I don't know why they didn't put it with the, with the uh, extras of episode one, but yeah. I was glad to kind of see that. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a big Star Wars fan, and that's and he plays. You can tell he wanted to really portray the role and give it respect, and he did a great job right. with it. And again, he's he's great in each of these films that he's uh, portrayed that role. Uh, the other bright spot I thought from the cast once again was Ian McDermott playing, mm-hmm. of course, uh, who is he was uh, Chancellor Palpatine at the time, and also of course dual role as Darth Sidious. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> But uh, he, again, every time he's on the screen, you can't keep your uh, eyes off of him, Michelle. I think you'd agree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. (laughs) But you can just tell the way he's working the whole room. He's working working the whole universe, actually. It's very interesting. Rob, Ian McDermott. Actually, before I get into Ian McDermott, just to kind of piggyback off Michelle's uh, little piece of trivia about Ewan McGregor's uncle, just to point out that he was Dennis Lawson who played Wedge Antilles in uh, the Star Wars I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so um, that was, you know, it's not like it was a bit part. Right. Uh, It may may have seen like it in episode four, but, you know, he was was a rebel pilot that was in all three of the Star Wars films and um, certainly someone who, you know, in the extended expanded universe and in later uh, later you know, books and and the like was you know kind of an integral character. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was always a big fan of Wedge, uh, you know, just because of the fact that he was kind of the guy who was in the three originals uh, that didn't really get a lot of hype, but he you know, he was always there and he was sure. there at the celebration at the end, uh, you know, when they're <laughs> when they're doing yub nub, oh, you know, right. at the end he's there <laughs> celebrating with, along with the rest of them because he yeah, he survived just like they did and made it yeah. you know, all the way through. So uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, so again, uh, Ian McDermott, Rob. Yeah, I thought Ian McDermott was another of the shining, you know, points of light in all three of the prequel movies. Um, one of the kind of cool things about Ian McDermott was that, you know, especially in Phantom Menace, was a bigger surprise. But when he was cast, you just thought he was playing a senator, and mm-hmm. uh, none of the other cast members really knew that uh, he was Darth Sidious until much later in the filming. So mm-hmm. uh, I believe that, uh, you know. Uh, Qui-Gon had come up to him at one point and was like, you knew all along. That's right. uh, so, you know, he was he was really um, just the epitome of the Emperor. You totally could feel the malevolence coming off oh, of him. Yeah. And he really, you know, at the same time, and I think we talked about this a little bit in The Phantom Menace as well, that, you know, he seemed so open and so friendly and you totally bought into that character. And at the same time, here he is, you know, just manipulating galactic events to his own benefit and, uh, you know, working to his own ends. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Totally agree on that. Uh, he, again, I uh, love his character uh, throughout these films. I think he does a great job. And every time he's on the screen, you, you you can't stop and just stop what you're doing and watch and see what he's doing. And just the little subtle, you know, facial motions he makes. And you can just tell, like, you know, he's working everything behind the scenes, this whole thing. He's directing this whole thing. And it's just interesting to watch it all unfold. Uh, Natalie Portman, of course, comes back as uh, Senator Padme Amidala. Uh, she's a senator now, not the right. queen anymore. Um, and, well, um, I don't have much to say about much, much of her part uh, in this one because it was I, I, I actually was okay with her in The Phantom Menace, and I was a little, I struggled at times watching her in this film. Right, but yeah. I don't necessarily believe it's her fault all the way. I kind of believe, and we'll get into this a little bit more uh, with some of the other actors we're going to discuss, that I, I think it's kind of more the way... George uh, wrote this and how it was edited and other things. I don't know what you feel, Michelle. I agree. I agree. And it's it's easy to look now, especially after seeing it multi- this movie multiple times and seeing subsequent movies and things to easily criticize, you know, criticize the acting and things. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think she did what she was asked to do. Mm-hmm. And, and in that regards, I think she probably did a great job. Yeah. Rob, your thoughts on uh, Natalie Portman? Well, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with what Michelle and you were saying. Um, I've made basically the same comments in the Phantom Menace review that we did. And, uh, you know, what's so surprising to me about this, I the fact that George Lucas struggles to write believable uh, dialogue between characters is something that had existed since the original mm-hmm. trilogy. Mm-hmm. and uh, But the, the real surprise here is that this was intended to be a love story. It was intended to show how Anakin would eventually fall to the dark side and how he was manipulated. And the thing that this movie had to carry off more than anything was a believable love story. And the fact that it fell so far short on that was mm-hmm. incredibly surprising. And, you know, the other thing I'll mention is that George Lucas had always said that these movies were designed to be silent movies. And not in the sense that there was no dialogue, but in the sense that the music really drove the emotion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and carried the story. And we all know that John Williams is, you know, an amazing uh, yeah. musician and, and wrote an incredible score and uh, across the stars, which was the love, the love theme for the two of them was an incredible piece of music. But uh, the fact that even that it wasn't like there was a mediocre performance and it was, it was elevated by the music. It was just, it fell so far short that even the music couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got Natalie Portman who has won awards for incredible acting. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's certainly something she's capable of. So I think that kind of speaks to the fact that there is some issues with the dialogue that was written for them and the uh, direction that they were receiving. And I still think that even at this point, even though they'd done it in The Phantom Menace, this whole concept of acting against a backdrop of things that aren't there um, was something that they were still struggling to wrap their heads around and still struggling to pull off. That's yeah. a good point. Agreed. I, I do agree with that, especially rewatching it. I kind of see more of that, that that was had to be difficult. But yeah, um, and the dialogue, and I just don't think that, and you mentioned this in The Phantom Menace, Rob, that uh, you know there, there wasn't the chemistry that we saw uh, within 
say, you know, the original trilogy uh, between, you know, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, right. and Mark Hamill. This didn't, it never just kind of meshed together. And I think that's also part of the problem of why this didn't work as well. Um, we'll get into a little more of that as we uh, get through the cast. Others returning, uh, Frank Oz returned to voice Yoda. This was the first film that uh, Yoda was completely cu- computer generated. Right. So um, others uh, included uh, Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks, a much smaller role for Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks in this one, although some would say it's a really, he makes one of the biggest ha- the happenings within the, sh- the film itself. Uh, Samuel Jackson's back as Mace Windu. Pernilla August returns in a very small piece as Shmi Skywalker. Anthony Daniels expands it from uh, Phantom Menace, his role as C-3PO, and Kenny Baker is back as R2-D2. Now to the newcomers. Let's just start with uh, Anakin himself, Hayden Christensen. Um, what can you say about Hayden in this movie? I, I, I actually kind of feel for him because he was obviously a very young actor at the time. Uh, you know, although he'd done some stuff in the past, I, it just seems like this whole thing may have been a little too much for him. This dialogue uh, and just the chemistry like we talked about in the past just wasn't there. Right. Sure. You know, and I don't think we're going to say anything that hasn't been said like three million times before. Although I think, um, you know, one of the shining lights is there was one moment mm-hmm. in the movie that it did seem to really capture his his skill as an actor and you know bring forward what you thought what the, you would expect what to you see. would expect mm-hmm. to see and pull through the struggle right rob your thoughts on Ann, uh hayden christensen yeah it's interesting because in a lot of the a lot of the additional materials that come with the movie uh you get all these other actors talking about, you know, what a bright future he had and what an incredible actor he was. But um, I just really didn't feel like he showcased those skills through most of this film, especially. And and certainly there were some, uh, you know, issues that that he had with Revenge of the Sith. And we'll talk about that when we get to that particular Mm -hmm, film. But, um, and I think, again, it it all links back to the fact that most of his dialogue here is related to the romance between him and uh, Natalie Portman's character, Padme Amidala. And it just, there was really no chemistry there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that definitely impacted the dialogue. Right. I think, um, honey, what you were talking about with the issue of some of the dialogue seemed to be appropriate more for maybe a 15-year-old boy, you know, some of the whiningness that you could understand somebody, you know, who's a, you know, a young teen or tween going through some struggles of, you know, identity when they feel like they're, they're, doing great and right. people are criticizing them or trying to pull him to, back down to earth. Right. He's supposed to be 19 in this film, but he acts more like he's 14 or 15. And maybe that would have been more appropriate, but it wouldn't have worked for the love story. You can't have, right. you know, a 14 year olds falling in love and getting married. You know, I just, I mean, all those, uh, of course, Padme wouldn't have been 14, but uh, it just wouldn't have worked. So I understand that, but they, the, the dialogue was written in many ways uh, for that. Now, the one scene that, and Michelle was just referencing it just a second ago, Ago, that I thought he, yeah. he actually um, really pulled off was after, and you know, okay, obviously this is all spoilers, you know, and if you haven't seen this film, <laughs> it's 17 years old, I'm sorry, but um, after he slaughters uh, the uh, Tuscan Raiders, uh, the Sand People, right. um, and he comes back and he's just, you know, going through his emotions at that moment of, you know, the fact that, you know, this is all happening and it's somebody else's fault, but no, it's my fault. And I did this and I can't believe I did this. And I actually got, 
I, I actually right. thought that was well done. I don't know what I mean, you thought. So yeah, well I did. I did. Rob, do you have any thoughts on that scene? Um, I, you know, I thought it was definitely more believable than some of the other scenes where he was kind of flipping out, especially the one where, uh, you know, Padme is packing her suitcase to leave Coruscant. Mm-hmm, and he, right. You know, oh, I love Obi-Wan. And then he kind of throws him any temper tantrum right. about him. But yeah. part of it too is, um, and the immaturity that he displays may have actually been uh, on purpose. You know, you look at the fact that he was nine when he was brought to Coruscant to join the Jedi Order, and he was too old to begin the training because he already had formed these attachments. Um, And in a lot of ways, he would have been, um, you know, less mature than you would expect. He wasn't wasn't raised in that kind of cloistered environment um, from his very early ages uh, where they could have, you know, perhaps ingrained some of the discipline already and you know he was rebellious anyway so um it's in some ways unsurprising that he acted younger than he should have been right um i just thought it was a little too extreme younger the way he acted yeah, you know yeah i, mean, I get yep. arrogance at that age i get that it just the tantrums sometimes seemed a little much to me yeah yeah and what really shocked me the most about the tantrums is that it wasn't even so much his behavior it's the fact that Padme was able to, you know, engender any feelings toward him when he was behaving that way because she was so mature. I mean, she had been a queen. Now she was serving her planet as a senator. She was, um, you know, she was this epitome of of maturity beyond her years and service to her people. And that's a big part of the problem that I had with this film is Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they set her up to have all these qualities and then she goes so far against them. And, um, you know, all the things that would have made her a strong female in the first film, she kind of, you know, you don't see really a lot of those in evidence in this film at all. Right. Right. Especially as it was, you know, it wasn't like this was a love story that played out over years where there were different, you know, this was, they hadn't seen each other in 10 years, apparently. Yes. Um, and then all, you know, when she first sees him again, I was like, okay, you know, I remember you and now you're a handsome young man. That's great and everything. But, you know, they like within this short period of time, there's all these instances of, you know, red flags that yeah. are being thrown at her. Like, maybe I should run away from yeah, this person. Being but, a little uh, creepy. Yeah, and also the creepiness. There was a little creepiness in there was too, but uh, just kind of hard to buy into that love story for sure. Um, by the way, other actors that did audition for this role reportedly, um, were, among them were uh, Paul Walker, Colin Hanks, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, James Vanderbeek, Joshua Jackson, and Leonardo DiCaprio, among others. Um, apparently, from what we it was written, it says Hayden Christensen got the part primarily because he and Natalie Portman, quote, looked good together, end quote. Oh, no. So, mm, anyway, but I, I, I look, um, there's a lot to say about Hayden Christensen in this movie, but I, I still will go back to the fact that the director, the writer, the editor needs to do a better job with these films, with many of these actors. And that includes, and we already talked about it, Robbie mentioned the awards and Natalie Portman won. She didn't have a great uh, deal to, in this film either, I, you know, but she obviously is a very good actress. Uh, so it, it can't just all be these actors. No, no. And I, I, I wouldn't say that that's the case at all. I think that um, a lot of it just has to do with the dialogue. And the interesting thing is you look at the original trilogy and you've got, uh, you know, Harrison Ford, who actually, you know, was was part of um, Lucas's earlier film. And 
was kind of a known quantity, but you know Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were relatively new, um, not faces that a lot of people were familiar with. And I kind of feel like Harrison Ford and the fact that he was kind of willing to play with the dialogue and kind of you know coax it into something that would work. Um, kind of encouraged Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher to do some of the same, and they were able to kind of work that dialogue into things that, that could actually be pulled off. Mm-hmm. And I I don't really feel like that was challenged in the in the prequel trilogy. I think Ewan McGregor found ways to pull off the dialogue in a believable way for Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I don't know that, you know, Natalie Portman or Hayden Christensen were the type of people who were going to go, um, you know, try to make any changes to their dialogue to right. have it have it work better for, you know, what they felt like they could pull off. And I think, you know, the the prequels suffered as a result. Right, right. Uh, agreed. Completely agree on that. I and mean, I'm not trying to bash these actors. And like I said, I, I'm trying to actually say it's more about the dialogue and some other things. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, I, I'm actually happy that Hayden Christensen has been welcomed back into the Star Wars community right. um, more avidly recently. He was at Star Wars Celebration Chicago just this last week. He didn't, I don't think he made any panel appearances, but he was signing autographs, taking pictures with people. Uh, great to hear, you know. We already talked about uh, Ahmed Best is Jar Jar Binks and how he's been welcomed back in. Um, I'm just glad to see that that's happening because I don't, you know, again, any of us, if we were offered these roles, would have been, I mean, are you kidding me? Anakin Skywalker? You're, you're <laughs> yeah, actually right. the, the guy who becomes Darth Vader? Like, you wouldn't have been, like, bowing over to take right. that role. So um, I, I know you agree with me, Rob, on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a couple other people, newcomers to this, actually not not a newcomer, in the world of acting, but uh, who actually I thought did another great job um, was Christopher Lee as Count Dooku slash Darth Tyrannus. I, I thought he actually, again, commanded presence when he wasn't in enough scenes in this film, but when he was, I thought he had a great presence on the film. Michelle, I don't know what you think. Right, I agree with you. Um, I thought he, I thought he actually pulled off the role very, mm-hmm. very well, um, very believable. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what more to say about that. You know, I, I you know, seeing the fact that he had been in some other other movies too, mm-hmm. you know, kind of was a little bit of um wait a minute, who is he now? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know I've seen him somewhere. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but um other than that, I thought he I thought he did good. Rob, your thoughts on Christopher Lee? Yeah, I, it was interesting cuz Dooku uh, was was a character that kind of came out of nowhere. Everyone mm-hmm. was familiar with Sidious and everyone was familiar with Darth Maul. And all of a sudden he's got, you know, Count Dooku that we don't really have any backstory for. Strangely enough, we really don't even have backstory for him now. Although I know that there's a new mm-hmm. audiobook that's coming out to kind of explore his departure from the, the Jedi order. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he was exactly what Sidious needed in this film. And, and I thought he carried off that role pretty well. Right. I, I, I thought he, I, I actually thought he was a, a bright spot, another bright spot right. in this cast. Others coming into this film, uh, Tamara Morrison, who played Django Fent, the bounty hunter. Uh, for those of you who are Disney fans, you may also, well, I'm sure you're listening to us, you're a Disney fan, most likely. <laughs> um, you also may know him uh, from the movie Moana. He was Chief Tui. Moana's father in uh, Moana. So uh, he also, not, cool. not only does he, you know, like, uh, you know, getting paid to create clones. He also likes to sing about coconuts. <laughs> so. Others nice. coming into this were uh, Jimmy Smits, who played Bail Organa. Uh, Daniel Logan played a young Boba Fett. Uh, and that was, you know, that was pretty much it. There were some other characters right. that were key, but those were the main cast. Uh, so uh, interesting cast. Um, 
Good and bad, but we'll see. So the synopsis of the film, we've already gone over some of it here, but the movie said 10 years after The Phantom Menace, uh, thousands of systems are threatening to break away from the Republic. And of course, Padme Amidala, who's now a senator uh, from Naboo, uh, is under the threat of assassination. Obi-Wan and Anakin are uh, designated to protect her. Funny enough, uh, designated by... uh, Chancellor right, Palpatine, right. by you know, so hmm, I wonder how that worked out. Uh, after another attempt on his life, Obi Wan looks in to see uh, who is behind it. Uh, uh, finds out that that the uh, that this saber dart that kills the bounty hunter that was actually going uh, after her, what came from a planet called Camino. He goes out there, finds that they're building a clone army that was designated by someone from uh, Master Cipher Diaz from the uh, the uh, Jedi. Uh, council and you know he's been dead for you know ten years or so, uh, so it was kind of all brand new news to him. Uh, meanwhile, Anakin is designated to escort Padme back to Naboo. Uh, film takes us to several new planets that we've never seen previously. We've talk- just talked about Camino, also the planet of Geonosis. Uh, we revisit Coruscant, Tatooine. We see Anakin's uh, first real journey to the dark side. We just talked about this as well uh, when he slaughters many Tuscan raiders who are holding his mother captive. Again, uh, this was apparently paid for by Count Dooku. Of course, again, came from Darth Sidious Palpatine. Uh, obviously, this is all being uh, planned in place. Um, meanwhile, uh, Obi-Wan goes to Geonosis, gets captured uh, by uh, the Geonosians, and Count Dooku basically spells out the whole plan that Palpatine has going on to him, which is so interesting to me in so many different ways. Uh, Rob, you know, it's funny that that happened. Do you think that Dooku was just trying to twist with uh, Obi-Wan's mind, or do you think he was uh, trying to approach him as like, look, join me, you can be my apprentice, and we'll take over this role, (laughs) you know? What do you think, Rob? I kind of feel like the the way the Sith have worked, you know, they've got the rule of two, the Master and the Apprentice, but it was pretty typical that uh, both Master and the Apprentice would have uh, a backup plan going at any given time. Um, you know, if you watch the Clone Wars, obviously Dooku was not opposed to having uh, an apprentice during that period of time. I won't go into that and spoil that for anyone who hasn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even... Uh, one of the things I was looking at, I, I actually am looking to do uh, part of my podcast on the Inquisitors that uh, Emperor Palpatine and Darsidious had uh, lined up in order to kind of eliminate the Jedi that escaped Order 66. And he had been grooming some of those members uh, well before Darth Vader mm-hmm. you know, actually became, uh, or Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. So, by the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> right oh, my God. What? Right, right. So, um I, I definitely think it could have been a legitimate uh, offer on his part. Um, we'll never know. Certainly, Obi-Wan isn't likely to be the type of person who's ever going to turn to the dark side. Right, um, right. But, you know, it, it may have just have been kind of a, hey, I asked you and you said no, so now I'm going to kill you without any any bad feelings. Right. <laughs> any thoughts on that, Michelle? Um, no, I think I totally agree with that. Um, I, I, I don't think I had really noticed it that much the first time through. It was just more like this you know, conflict. And I think it went along with the confusion of what was, mm-hmm. what was being put upon in the situation. Interesting thing about that scene also is the written dialogue, or at least way that's spoken from what it was written is very similar to, uh, when in empire strikes back, when, 
uh, Darth Vader has Luke there pinned and, you know, tells him, you know, that he's his father and that, you know, join me, oh, right. you know, and that's, it's very, it, there's some similar lines within the, uh, the script there, apparently, or at least what was spoken on screen. Um, I'm sure that was, that, that had to be intentional by George Lucas. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's much that happens in any Star Wars film that's not intentional on Lucas's part. So right. <laughs> I would definitely say it was probably planned out. Yeah, I think and I've seen this many times over, at least when, when George Lucas, well, I guess it's, it's a couple times over, when George Lucas was in charge of these, of these films that he tries to have the feeling in certain parts within the films tie into their counterpart within the original uh, trilogy. So this is the middle part and there are different scenes, even the final scene where they're kind of after the wedding again, spoiler alert, uh, looking out to see kind of looks like the way that Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are there with the droids kind of looking out at the medical frigate. Uh, it's kind of, I, am I'm sure that's intentional that they want them to look, uh, have a similar look to them at the finish of the film. Right. Absolutely. To have that, you know, that just that imagery, Mm -hmm. you know, he was big on imagery, obviously. Speaking of the wedding, a couple other things that happened is that of course, uh, we have a clumsy love story. We just talked a lot about that. Uh, Anakin loses his hand. Shocking. But that happened in a Star Wars movie. Uh, we finally get a glimpse of the lightsaber skills of Yoda, which was, it, it actually cracks me up every time I watch it because it's just the way he flips and flies around. Uh, just really interesting. Rob, uh, Yoda. Yeah, I definitely preferred him. Um, once they got the the art of animating him down, he was a great character mm-hmm. again. Um, never as great as the puppet that they used in the in the prequels, but mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, in the original trilogy. Um, but you know, again, this is a another prime example of seeing how Yoda, how blinded Yoda as the Grandmaster of the Jedi Order even was. He's having these face-to-face interactions with Emperor Palpatine, and he can't even pick up on the fact that he's got a Sith Lord sitting right across from him. Right, so right. Uh, it just kind of goes to to how blinded the Jedi were during this period. Right. Yeah. Another thing that I found was a very interesting line within this is, uh, you know, uh, there, there, there there's a scene where uh, Obi-Wan and... Mace Windu are walking down the hall and Yoda's in the little floating little cart or whatever because right. apparently his little steps can't keep up with him <laughs> as they're walking along. Uh, but it, it was interesting. He uh, Obi-Wan's talking about Anakin and you know the arrogance. He's saying he's arrogant. And uh, Yoda says, well, that's a uh, common you know, thing that we're seeing now with uh, many of the young Jedi, some even with some of the older ones. And I definitely believe that was a com- reference right at Obi-Wan. Right. That, like, you're getting a little arrogant yourself. <laughs> and I also believe that was a something that they Yoda needed to look at with the whole Jedi Order that uh, I think they all were getting a little too arrogant and blinded by all this. Rob, I think you'd agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the other, uh, I did want to raise one other point um, that probably should have been brought up earlier, but you were talking about the fact that, um, you know, Anakin had been thrown together with Padme sort of by Palpatine, but I think that there was actually the original goal and what Palpatine had initially said was assign Master Obi-Wan, and I'm sure it was partially to kind of throw Anakin in with right. uh, with all three of them. Uh, but I don't know that he was necessarily expecting that Obi-Wan was going to be pulled off and Anakin would be going solo. Um, cause I was kind of read it like he wanted to create a situation where there was a chance to eliminate both Padme and Obi-Wan. Mm, interesting. Um, 
kind of in one fell stroke and totally isolate Anakin. Uh, so I think that the way it played out, he still found a way to leverage it and, and take advantage of Anakin's feelings for Padme. But um, I always get the feeling that he was kind of hoping to be able to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. And I, as we discussed with during the Phantom Menace uh, chat, uh, that, you know, Palpatine kind of had ways where he wanted things to go and then they would kind of make a right turn or a left turn at times, but he was always able to adapt to these situations and find ways to make it work to his advantage. Uh, and that definitely happened uh, with Padme when the, you know, the love interest ends up blossoming more. Uh, he actually finds a way to twist that into being even more so where he can corrupt Anakin. Yeah. Agreed. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, finally then, of course, the film wraps up with a giant fight and we finally get the Clone War beginning. So uh, really interesting stuff. As far as the critical reception for this movie, uh, actually it got better reviews than The Phantom Menace did originally. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a fairly decent rating of 66%. Uh, here's where a couple of the, again, they were still, people were still split. Review uh, Critics were still split on this. Uh, Realviews.net's uh, James Berarn, oh God, Berarn, <laughs> Berarnadelli, Bernardinelli, excuse me, Bernardinelli, I hope that's right. doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, gave it a positive review saying that, quote, in a time when more often than not sequels disappoint, it's refreshing to uncover something this high profile that fulfills the promise of its name and adds another title to a storied legacy, end quote. Meanwhile, Roger Ebert, who we talked about in the last episode, gave The Phantom Menace a very positive review and it gave it all the other Star Wars films to this point, a very positive review, uh, did not like this one as much. He said, quote, as someone who admired the freshness and energy of the earlier films, I was amazed at the end of episode two to realize that I had not heard one line of quotable, uh, memorable dialogue. And he also smoked, uh, spoke about Anakin and Padme's relationship. Ebert stated, quote, there is not a romantic word they exchanged <laughs> that has not long since been reduced to cliche. <laughs> right. So when I, I think that just speaks to right there what we've talked about with George Lucas, and he just struggles to write a love story. For whatever reason, he just cannot quite write a love story very well. Right. I agree with all that. Uh, and I and I understand where the critics are coming from and, and watching it now. I, I I totally am on board with that, and I and I do know that it was our it was a special experience for us the first time we we saw it. But when that film was going on, and he, like you talked about the Yoda um, scene where he was, uh, you know, we, we got to see him use his lightsaber and everything. That room was on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, the audience loved it. Mm-hmm. They ate it up. We ate it up. And it, you know, the first impressions of it, I think, were very great positive experience it's when you start you know looking at it and taking it apart a little bit more that you start seeing you know all the the frailties of this script and right you know what was yeah, trying to be done when we saw it we were you know, like i said the midnight showing waiting in line with a bunch of star wars fans excited to go see it packed theater mm-hmm. uh, everybody had a blast throughout it and we came out of there you know mostly smiling and everything but yes when re-watching it eh, you pick it apart that much more right. and now it's the, I, I believe with rob that you know it's the, well, the least watched of his right it's the least watch of ours as well rob uh, your critical reception of the film 
Uh, again, I mean, I think in kind of in, in going hand in hand with what Michelle just said, you know, when Phantom Menace came out, it had been what, 26 years, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 16 years at the time. Um, since, you know, we'd seen a Star Wars movie on the big screen and, uh, you know, this came along shortly after, of course, we were excited to go see it. Um, you know, we knew what the faults were with the Phantom Menace. We were hoping that a lot of that would have been fixed. And it wasn't like I wasn't happy to go see the film. I mean, for the most part, there was a lot of a lot of really uh, important information and good scenes in it. Um, but like you said, I mean, the, the issue that I ended up having with it, uh, especially as time went on, is the way that things were put together didn't turn out to be that believable. I mean, you've got Padme trying to fend off Anakin, who's giving her looks that would cause most people to go get a, you know, a restraining order. (laughs) Um, And yet at the same time, she's trying to hold him off, but she's wearing outfits that came right out of the Fredericks of Hollywood. Padme Amidala (laughs) collection. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of these things that aren't put together in a believable way. Um, but, you know, it, it was still Star Wars. It was still getting to see the story arc of Anakin and Obi-Wan and how we get to where they were in the original Star Wars film. Um, and that's the stuff that I tended to focus on, especially watching it early. Right. right. And that's the way we did it, too. I mean, we, you know, we didn't pick apart the love story as much early on. And the more you watch it, uh, the more you notice it. And, uh, you know, but I, I have to admit, we watched it last night again just to be prepared for this. And I hadn't watched it in a good probably a couple of years, at least uh, more than just like popping it on here and there mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I enjoyed it again. It's a Star Wars film. Star Wars films are we, we mentioned this for the Phantom Menace. They're like pizza. Even when they're not so good, they're still pretty good. Right. You know, and we still enjoyed watching it last night. Yeah. And there's I mean, there's a lot of fun things to it. Dex Diner. Yeah. That was yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see a back, more backstory on Dex. That's what I want to see some stuff come out in the in the uh, in canon now. I would love to see some stuff on him because I think he's an interesting, interesting character <laughs> in his small scene that he's in. Well, and the crazy thing is that that scene is a perfect example of how this could have worked. Mm-hmm. And it was, right. you know, again, it's the thing that you have to keep in mind is, you know, they're, they're working to deadlines. They're, they don't have as much time as they want to be able to piece this together as carefully as they would hope and um you know so certain things kind of fall by the wayside but you know dex diner was certainly uh a scene that i w- even when i was re-watching it i was like yeah i really like that scene i really right. like the interplay between those two characters um you know the other thing that kind of pops out in my head is that one of the things that that was so awesome about the original trilogy in star wars was that everything kind of had that you know, used feel to it. I mean, right. you weren't you weren't in these ultra glitzy locations. You everything wasn't pristine, and I think that is one of the things that hurt the prequel trilogy was that you know with Theed and you know the Naboo Hill Country mm-hmm. and Coruscant, everything is just so perfect. And that, on top of the fact that they were using a lot of you know technology to generate those scenes, mm-hmm, right. um, is is where it kind of lost some of its heart. Um, and you know that there's really not much you can do because they were representing what should have been there. It's not like you know Theed was supposed to be some beaten down city, right? right. Um, but it was. I mean, everything was so perfect that it kind of y- your brain shied away from it a little bit. 
Right. right. And again, I, I mentioned this about many films. Uh, I think that this film suffered from editing issues. I, I really think that if you cut maybe 40 minutes out of this film, uh, it's uh, you see it, this film much differently. Mm-hmm. And now I understand they had to tell the love story in some way, but I, I think that you have to get to a point where you know, it's not working and you, you, you trim it down or find ways to... Uh, push it in different but i i just i right. i think that there are really good portions of this movie i just think there's too many gaps within it to make it be a really really good movie and i, I just wish they could have done a little bit better job of editing it. yeah absolutely but there, like i said there were some little shining points mm-hmm. to it you know um i know that you know the initial opening scene when the ship is landing and the vibration mm-hmm. and stuff i mean um to this day, when I see that, it's like, wow, that is just such a cool sensation, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's it's a Star Wars film. I will happily watch it whenever it pops on. Uh, yeah, it's like it may not be our go-to film, but it's a Star Wars film. It's there's a lot of good stuff within it. It's just you got to get through some of the more cringy parts to get through it. I, I think you agree, Rob. Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know, it's just one of those things where. Uh, I agree with what you were saying. The st- they were trying to do, within this trilogy, they were trying to establish the fall of the Republic. They were trying to establish the the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker, uh, a love story, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Darth Vader Inception story. And they they were really trying to accomplish things that you really had to have a lot more time with the characters to, mm-hmm, to right. really internalize that, um, which is why in regards to the Clone Wars, why that entire series is so important to understanding, you know, how Anakin and could fall to the dark side in the heights to which he'd risen before he'd done so, and um, it would have been it would have been I guess wise in hindsight if they could have had that a series like that going on on the side to kind of provide filler between the movies, mm-hmm. so they didn't have to try to do so much within the films themselves. Agreed, right. I totally agree on that. Yes. We'll get to the uh, Clone Wars uh, series here in just a second, but I want to get to the box office quickly. Attack of the Clones ended up grossing more than six hundred forty nine million dollars globally from its initial release. That was a drop by about $280 million from The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, obviously, uh, the people who went to the box office could see that after The Phantom Menace wasn't as good as they kind of hoped for, and there wasn't as much hype for this film, uh, and then they found out it wasn't as good as maybe they expected, that uh, obviously that paid a price at the box office. It was the first, I believe it was the first Star Wars film that didn't finish first uh, at the end of the year in box office. It fell behind uh, both the, the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers in 2002, and the new Spider-Man that was uh, in the North America, and it fell to fourth, actually globally, also behind Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So I think that definitely um, the reviews and what's happened probably took a toll. And there's also, you know, you look at that list of films, there's some other great films that were out there during that time. Good competition. Yeah. So so the legacy of the film really, you know, to me... I, you know, I, I I liked that we've and we discussed it many times. We discussed it in Phantom Menace, and we, uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan is so good. Mm-hmm. I love it. I I want to see him come out and is either whether it be a, a series on Disney Plus, whether it be a standalone film, whatever. I really want to see him play Obi Wan yes. again because he's so good. No question about that. Uh, I also think that Christopher Lee was really interesting in this role. Um, and But the key to me also this is that 
this uh, and uh, it, uh, this the the Clone Wars kind of sprung out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, the animated series right. sprung out of this. And for those of you, and we've talked about this many times, but just in case you're tuning into us for the first time, uh, if you have not watched the Clone Wars series, it provides so much more depth to what happens in the prequels and the characters of. Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Padme Amidala and many, many other characters that are just brilliant. Um, Really, really, when you get a chance to, it's tough right now, but when Disney Plus comes back, check out The Clone Wars. Rob, I know you agree with me on that, Ken. No, absolutely. I mean, with the movies, you're getting the big brushstrokes and, you know, the the key story points, but as you pointed out, the, the fine detail and the the underpinnings of these characters and and what they've accomplished and what drives them is all detailed in those in the Clone Wars and um, without that it's really hard to kind of connect the dots I guess in terms of the movies right and it does give you just more of a uh, a look within uh, who these characters are um, why Anakin was felt to be such a hero. Um, where his torment is within him, that he is not just a whiny kid. He also was a great uh, Jedi Knight, essentially. Uh, and there's just so much more in depth there, and I really suggest it. And it does actually brings you more light into... And it, you can enjoy the prequels more, I feel, when you watch The Clone Wars, Michelle. Right, absolutely. Uh, totally, you know, gives, like you said, gives some substance to some of these... Mm-hmm these experienced people are feeling, et cetera. Right. Yeah. But before, so we're, that pretty much wraps up the movie for us, but let's get to a couple fun facts before we leave it all together. Just some other fun, interesting things that if you rewatch the film, you might have something to think about. Michelle, do you have some fun facts? Uh, well, it's the first time that the camera tilts up after the crawl, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a little Yeah, usually different. it would be the, 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 the scroll and then it would pan down. It right. Was almost, you, would, you could almost plotted out and then they, they, they totally threw you for a loop this time when they <laughs> panned up it was really weird for the first time right uh and in naboo the architecture um you know of having like that it's actually the land is just built within itself or the city within the land um actually came an inspiration from lake como in italy mm-hmm. um but yeah you know i kind of agree with what rob had said before it, it just was too perfect too pristine you know and and i know that like um they were trying to give the essence of uh, like a paradise, but it, it just really was. I mean, every little flower, plant, everything was perfect. Yeah. And, you know, it may be too extreme in that regards, but um, made me want to think about going to Lake Como. Uh, I thought about that many times. Every time we see a scene from there, go hang out with George Clooney out there. Right. In Lake Como. There you go. There uh, you go. I mean, the only other thing is, and this is just more of a question, and it's kind of a silly question, but um, the Kaminoans, when I saw the film, and, and even now when I go back, and is that like Close Encounters of yes, the Third that, Kind they did alien? That intentionally, yes. Oh, okay. That is. That's an, that was an intentional to look kind of like uh, traditional aliens that you see. And yes, I'll, uh, I think he was giving a little nod to Steven Spielberg there gotcha. uh, with Close Encounters. I, I think I've read that somewhere. Right. And wasn't this one of the films, and I may, you may have to edit this out, don't make me sound dumb, but that um, where you could go to see the film digitally versus traditionally? I believe this what may have been the first film. There was a film, one of these films was the first one that was actually completely digital. I'm not sure if this was one, but one of these films was completely I, I, digitally yeah, shot. Yeah, I felt which like. Was one of the first ever to be done that. Right. That I, be, he, I believe it was this one that yeah. was the first ever, oh, okay. ever shot in digital. Right. Right. So, yeah. 
That's a good point. Good point, Michelle. Oh, thanks. Another great point by Michelle. <laughs> uh, Rob, any fun facts do you have from the film? Yeah, and uh, surprisingly, they're all in one scene. So probably the most, uh, you know, Easter egg pack scene in the entire movie is when uh, Zam Wessel, who is the bounty hunter that mm-hmm. attempts to kill Padme Amidala while she's on Coruscant, um, is she's escaping Anakin and Obi-Wan, and they finally force her to ground kind of in the Coruscant underbelly, and she runs into a bar that they follow her into, and they're looking for her. There's uh, a couple of different um, Easter eggs in this scene. So the first is that there are two actors that were part of the Matrix um, that have cameos in this particular scene. The first one is the character that offers uh, Obi-Wan the death sticks at the mm-hmm. bar. Uh-huh. And that actor is a guy named Matt Doran who played Mouse. Oh, okay. uh, one of the members, one of the, one of the crew members of the uh-huh. Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, his character's name was Elon Sleazebagano. <laughs> so again, what a great name. Yeah. And then a uh, short time later, there is a uh, an actor that kind of gives Anakin a sultry look as she walks by, and that is an Australian actress named uh, Fiona Johnson, who actually played the woman in red in the Matrix movie. Oh, wow. um, so they get two Matrix cameos back to back, and then uh, right after... Um, Obi-Wan disarms Zam as she kind of comes up behind him. Uh, they immediately cut to two different actors that are wearing blue outfits. The first one is uh, Anthony Daniels, mm-hmm. not in his C-3PO costume. And then they also have a cameo of Ahmad Best. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jar Jar Binks out of costume. Cool. Also, uh, George Lucas's daughter is in that scene yeah. as well. Uh, and uh, she's his a son. Yeah. Um, makes a cameo in, in the uh, Revenge of the Sith. So. Oh, wow. So yeah. does George, is for that matter, in Revenge of the yeah. Sith. But we'll get to that yeah. when we get to Revenge of the Sith. So. Right, right. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, cool stuff. Uh, interesting stuff. I have a couple uh, interesting notes. Um, so, uh, so this was the longest film for Star Wars. It was uh, two hours, two hours and twenty minutes. Uh, it was the longest film of Star Wars in universe up until Last Jedi came out just a couple of years wow. ago. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting that the, the the funny thing about this is that you know all these films when before they actually get their main title they have a working title for them when they go into production you know and so there's all they sometimes they'll have you know just interesting names and you're just like what does that mean it usually means nothing but uh, I think because of everything that happened coming out of Phantom Menace uh, they decided to make the working title of this one Jar Jar's Big Adventure. <laughs> That's great. Uh, We've spoken about this before. The Jedi uh, archives were modeled Mm -hmm. after Trinity College Library in Dublin, Ireland, which we've actually been able to go visit. And yes, it looks exactly, well, not exactly, but very like that. Just take the uh, kind of the... Uh, kind of neon digital files there and replace them with old leather-bound books. Right, and then right. you, know, you pretty much have the same library. Uh, very interesting uh, thing. Uh, also, uh, the, the Senate, uh, when the Senate votes uh, to give the Supreme Chandler uh, sweeping emergency powers to go to war against the separatist forces, well, that is actually taken right out of history. That is the same ploy Adolf Hitler used to gain similar dictatorial power in 1930s Germany. Wow. So uh, George Lucas looking back at a little history yes. and exactly what was happening there and tying them together as supreme evil with supreme evil. Wow. Um, one other fun thing is that uh, George said that it was purposeful 
that when they're in the, the, the fight within the asteroid field where Obi-Wan is fleeing from Slave One right. and uh, Jango Fett and Boba Fett there, that, uh, you know, they end up uh, doing the, uh, the tracking missile towards them, the right. homing missile. Um, towards him and it looks like he let releases something out and it explodes and then he goes and hides behind an asteroid and George said yes that is actually where Boba Fett learned that for Empire Strikes Back to hide Ugh. behind you know uh, you know out there or to look for right. when the uh, the Millennium Falcon is kind of hiding on the end of the edge of the Star Destroyer. He kind of learned from that. And again, I I go back to how these films have something in common with each other and it's purposeful by George Lucas to make these little things where you remember the middle part of the original trilogy and the middle part of the prequel trilogy. Wow, interesting. Yeah, it's that thread, that common thread. That common thread. So interesting stuff. Rob, any final thoughts on uh, the Attack of the Clones before we move on? No, I mean, I, obviously the the end scenes of the film when you're really starting to see the opening battles of the Clone Wars, um, you know, they they feed directly into the Clone Wars animated series. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, please, you know, if you're at all interested in, in getting to know these characters better and maybe having a better understanding of what their motivations were and how things played out the way they did, you know, please go watch that. It's, uh, as Tom mentioned, it's not going to be available uh, easily until Disney plus comes out in November, but, um, it's, it's another great way to get a lot of value out of that membership. If you sign up for it, no question. And that that membership does have a lot of value too. (laughs) I am speaking as Disney fans. That's easy for us to say, but for sure. And Michelle, any last thoughts? No, I think, uh, I think like we said, they're, you know, looking back at it, there's issues, uh, uh, at the time, there were some really good things about it. There's still some things that, you know, played important roles for the f- future of the mm-hmm. other subsequent episodes. So, you know, I guess you could say it's, you know, a balance. It's a balance. <laughs> There's a balance Anakin in the may, force, may or right? may not have brought balance to the force, but uh, <laughs> we definitely had a balance of the movie, I guess. So, um, uh, you know, my final thoughts on it are, look, you know, it's... There are struggles within it. There are cringeworthy moments within it, but there also are some glorious moments, right. some interesting moments, some fun moments. It's a Star Wars film. Check it out. Judge for yourself if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a while, check it out. Judge for yourself. And, you know, we'd love to hear what you think about it because, you know, look, I will still, if it's on, I will stop. I will watch it. Right. It's a Star Wars film. It, it's not my favorite and probably my least favorite, but I still enjoy it very much. Right. Yep. So that's it. That was what we thought about. Uh, episode 2, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and our Star Wars Remembered series continues on next month. Good news for you, the movies are going to get better because, (laughs) yes, while Episode 3 may have had some problems, I think we'd all agree that that was a better Star Wars film than the two we've been talking about previously. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, but before we, we're going to move on, but before we do, I want Rob to talk about one other thing because it is Star Wars related. So, and he's experienced this. We have not had the chance to yet. And that's the void uh, that's out at, uh, of course, at the Walt Disney World Resort at Disney Springs and at the Disneyland Resort at Downtown Disney. Rob has been able to experience this. and He's actually tried to talk us into it, yeah. uh, which we want to do it. We just haven't had the chance to. But if you don't know what the void is, uh, it's uh, kind of a, a, an experience that takes place. It's a VR experience where you get to go into these worlds. Right now, they currently have Ralph Breaks VR, and they have, uh, which has been running for a long time, Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. Rob, you got to see... You got to experience uh, Secrets of the Empire. Could you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about it? 
Yeah, so basically um, the whole thing uh, has a, a story and a premise around it where you're actually members of the Rebellion um, and there is a secret mission that is actually delivered to you by Cassian Andor in the, in the briefing room. Mm. Um, and uh, you actually also get to have some interaction with K2SO. So, I mean, if you guys needed a reason I know, to right? really want to consider it, I mean, there's a couple right there. But, yeah, we're waiting to um, do it with you. Yeah, well, again, this summer there's yeah. definitely going to be an opportunity, and I would definitely encourage it. So, um, But it's uh, typically they'll have you go in in groups of four. Obviously, if it's not super busy, you can go in smaller groups. Um, and... Uh, there's a, a briefing uh, mission prep area where you put in your information into a data pad. Uh, you're going to select a, a color. Essentially, you're, you go in in disguise as stormtroopers in the actual VR experience, but uh, you get to pick a color for uh, your kind of, there's some piping and uh, mm -hmm, detail mm -hmm. along your gloves that so you can kind of tell who's who once you get in there um, but you know it's a it's a pretty comfortable VR headset they put you in a uh, kind of like a flak jacket almost mm. um, and so you know when you get in the VR experience itself what's really cool is that what you see around you is what is physically around you in the room uh, so it's not as disorienting I think as a lot of VR mm -hmm. experiences might be you right. know if you if you're walking ahead and you see a door in front of you uh, and you reach out you'll feel the door if there's a control you reach over and you can feel the control um, and uh, you know, when when eventually there is combat in the particular VR experience that you're uh, partaking in, if you get shot, you can actually feel the blaster impacts mm, wow. on your torso um, as a result of wearing that you know flak jacket mm -hmm. item. So, it's it's really super immersive. Um, you know, you're partaking in this mission on Mustafar. Um, so, you know, you. If, if you're in an environment that's supposed to be very hot, you can actually feel that heat oh, around you. Nice. Uh, so it is really, they cater to all your senses. It's a really fun uh, mission. There's some action, there's some puzzle solving, and there's a, a big reveal at the end of it um, that I will not spoil for anyone, but um, you know, it, it ties into a lot of the things that we just talked about. So Very cool. Yeah. But how long of an experience is it? Is it about like 20 minutes or something like that? Uh, yeah, I want to say it's about, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes, including the pre-mission briefing and suiting up. And it's about 15 minutes in the actual VR world that you're, okay. uh, mm -hmm. that you're partaking in. So it's not overly long. Um, one of the, you know, when we did it, it was myself, uh, my stepson, his girlfriend, and then my son. Uh, and he was, uh, let me think here nine at the time mm -hmm. um so and, and you know he's uh, a typical height for a nine-year-old and as the guy was getting us suited up he said when you guys get in there and load in make sure you take a look at your son and you look at him and he is a you know perfect stormtrooper just shrunk <laughs> down to the size of a nine-year-old so it's, it's really funny that's um, awesome and you know you just can't help it once once you get in there it takes a minute or two to orient yourselves but after that it just seems completely natural it was nice. not disorienting yeah. it was uh, totally worth the experience and I would encourage you um, pay attention as you're walking around Disney Springs I assume it's the same at downtown Disney um, there were some signs up that said you know mention whatever the catchphrase was and you would get a free digital photo uh, oh, of your yeah, group cool. um, and so it's just kind of a fun little bonus. They normally would charge you for that, but you can get a free one um, if you're if you're paying attention and know what the code word is. So, nice, great. Uh, you know, definitely the, worth it. You remember what the cost is of it by any chance? I think when we did it, it was thirty dollars a person. Okay. Um, 
But, you know, when you're considering the fact that it, when you're doing it, you're typically on Disney property. And, right. um, sure, that's you know, 30, 30 bucks for an experience like that was totally worth it for us. I'd have done it again in a heartbeat. Nice. And like you said, you had a nine-year-old with you, so it's okay even for kids. So. Yeah, and I would just recommend that when you do get to the point in the experience where you go to pick your blaster up off the rack, be very careful to keep your finger away from the trigger. <laughs> um, he, he was a little less less careful and really the whole experience is um is going to react to how you play it so if you know if you oh. pick your weapon right off the blaster or off the off the rack and start you know lighting the place up you're going to draw the stormtroopers quicker than you might otherwise <laughs> so we got the full we had to battle our way through every inch of the wow. scenario <laughs> It sounds kind of fun. Right? Yeah. Right. It actually was. I mean, I wasn't going to complain. But, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, that yeah. might have been planned. You never know. He may have been pretty smart there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he admitted it was not the case afterwards, but none of us mind. I was afraid well, we kind of enjoyed the combat. What spy is going to tell you the truth? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say that, you know, he got a little antsy with the trigger. And that's how I know that if you get shot, you feel the blast. <laughs> <laughs> Dead boom. <laughs> well, I never got shot. You know, I'm I'm pretty sleek and uh, yeah. low profile, so I just heard. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very That's cool. Awesome. That sounds fun, and we definitely want to do it. Hopefully, we can find the time to do it with you this summer. If not, maybe uh, when you're out here at uh, Disneyland Resort or sometime, we got to yeah. do it because it sounds like a blast for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an experience every Star Wars fan should uh, should enjoy, and I know that now they've got. Um, uh, they had a Wreck-It Ralph VR experience, uh, right. and they're rotating some other things in there, but you can still do the Star Wars Secrets of the Empire um, alongside those other experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, with any luck, the Vader Immortal that was previewed at Star Wars Celebration will be available out there as, at some point as well. Yeah, that'd nice. be pretty, pretty cool, too. Yeah. Uh, look forward to checking it all out. So, All right, that's awesome. So, Well, that's it. That's all our Star Wars input for this week. So let's uh, say goodbye to Rob. Rob, thank you again for joining us. Yes. We really, really appreciate it. Again, Rob is host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It's a lot of fun. He approaches Star Wars in a well, in an approachable way. Like if you're, you don't need to be a complete nerd geek that has read everything, knows everything to listen to his show. Uh, it's really enjoyable. I think Michelle would agree yes, in that regard. Yeah, it 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 really uh, brings a lot of uh, new information to light, especially if you're not a person who's you know read the books. You know, I, I find listening to it great because I don't feel at all intimidated or or you know feeling I'm lacking, and and I always gain a lot from it. And I guess there was some new news new news new news this week uh of the a disney side yes yeah I've, you know obviously we've talked about it and you guys know that uh both myself my wife you know everyone in our family loves disney and um yeah i want to i want to kind of start expressing that side of our our love of everything in the parks and the films and everything as well. But, uh, you know, in regards to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, I'm trying to keep that kind of partitioned off. Uh, there's so much information in the Star Wars universe. And as we all know, uh, you know, I, I was big on the extended, uh, expanded universe stuff mm -hmm. that is now Star Wars Legends. So even when you feel like there, you know a lot, um, eventually 
things come along, the button, the reset button gets hit, and you have to start learning all over again. So right. um, I just I, I really enjoy it, and I like sharing it with other people um, who have similar interests. Yeah, and it's it really is great. Um, I love it. Love listening to it, and I happen to be on it every once in a while, and so is Michelle. <laughs> yeah. She's been on it as well. Uh, yep. We have a lot of fun. So, Rob, uh, tell us, everyone, how they can find your podcast and how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, the podcast itself is available on all the major podcast platforms, uh, you know, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, if you listen to your podcasts on a different platform and you would like us to add it, please let me know. Uh, we can be reached at jtapodcast at gmail.com and then on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at jtapodcast. Really cool stuff. It really yes. is. Highly recommend it. Check it out. Give it a listen. Give, subscribe to it. And if you like it, uh, give it a review, a rating, whatever. Uh, believe me, we know it. I'm sure Rob knows it. It'd be very much appreciated. And tell your friends about it. And tell your friends about it, more importantly. <laughs> That's right. Word of mouth is the best way to go. Yes. So, And if, you know, again, if you have any suggestions for future shows or things you'd like to know more about, feel free to reach out to us at any of those methods that I mentioned earlier. Perfect, perfect. Well, Rob, thank you again for joining us once again. Uh, we really appreciate your input on this episode as we look back at Star Wars Remembered, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. And I look forward to having you on again in a few more weeks as we look forward to Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Sounds great. Always love talking Star Wars with you guys and Disney in general. And thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. So thanks again to Rob LeBerry, our good friend from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. It really is a great show. You should check it out. For yeah, fun. and it's always great to have him impart some of his knowledge on our show. So yeah. that's great. He's a good friend. Him and his wife, Kim, uh, we love them very much. They are really yeah. great friends of ours, and uh, we love sharing this stuff with him. as well as uh, we're going to get to share some vacation time with him pretty soon, and that's exciting as well. Let's move on to our Disney Stories of the Week. Of course, there's so many Disney stories that come out every week. We can't possibly get to all of them. But we try to get to a few of the bigger ones. So I'm going to start this week with the Disneyland Resort and something new that's coming to the Disneyland Resort. And that is they're announced this week a new Oogie Boogie themed party that's coming to Disney California Adventure Park for Halloween. I know. That's so awesome. Uh, Halloween time at Disneyland and California Adventure is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. They really do an amazing job. We've talked about that in the past of how they um, are so creative with the decorations for the season. So this will fit in really well. Right. This this looks amazing. I'm actually debating we we should try and get to it because it really sounds fun. Let's go through it. This is from the Disney Parks blog. It's called the Oogie Boogie Bash, a Disney Halloween party will uh, sorry. It's called Oogie Boogie Bash, a Disney Halloween party and it'll add to the fun of Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort celebrated from September 6th through October 31st, of course, Halloween 2019. Mm -hmm. Here are the highlights of what's included in this evening. Uh, there'll be a new World of Color show which weaves a Halloween tale about a young girl named Shelly Marie. This twisted tale carries Shelly on an unforgettable journey exploring the villainous side of Disney characters through fountains, lights, lasers, projections, and special effects. Villainous shows that deep down, there's a little villain in all of us. <laughs> of love course, that. yeah. I love World of Color, so I'm excited. Oh, I, want sure. to, I want to witness that. That's more, more part of the reason why I'm thinking about checking this out, because I love World of Color, and new shows for World of Color are right. always interesting. And we've seen different ones with, mm -hmm. like, the um, Christmas holiday mm -hmm. time, so it, it really is exciting that they're going to have, have that other dimension. Right, yeah, it's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to, hopefully we can work it out in our schedule and, and get out there for this. Uh, other things going on out with uh, tied in with this, Redwood Creek Challenge Trail 
will have Redwood Creek will have you tricked out to a dreamlike environment. Apparently, this new experience unfolds in a series of scenes, each creating a hauntingly beautiful dream space of color, sound, light, and shadows. The stories emerge from the darkest night to create an enchanting world. <laughs> that's interesting. I, yeah, Redwood Redwood Creek Trail is always an interesting place. They can do yes. fun little things with because it's just kind of a, it's a fun little play area within there. It's a great place to bring your kids to allow them burn off a little extra energy, by the way. That's right. Get out there. And there really isn't, I don't think there's anything at Walt Disney World that is pretty comparable to that. Mm. Yeah. Maybe over at uh, Animal Kingdom? Oh, yeah, true. A couple things right, over there right, are kind of like true. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, other things. Immersive treat trails. Enjoy trick-or-treating at the new wonderfully wicked treat trails throughout the park. Iconic characters such as Mad Hatter from Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland or even Oogie Boogie himself will surprise and delight. Additional treat trails will feature oversized cauldrons full of treats for all <laughs> guests to enjoy. Free snacks, free candy. Well, I guess not free. You're paying no. to get in there, but still. But, yeah. Added candy. Right. Fun. Added fun. Uh, Descent Dance. It's a new pulsing party in the backlot area of Hollywoodland. is inspired by the popular Descendants franchise from Disney Channel. So if you're a fan of that franchise, that might be interesting for you. The Frightfully Fun Parade, which is uh, the guest favorite parade, is coming to Disney California Adventure Park. You may know this from uh, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween mm-hmm. Party. Okay, it's the same parade, essentially. Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow starts the procession, followed by Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, who lead a cavalcade of characters and many mischievous Disney villains who are ready to stir up some trouble along the parade route. This sounds so fun, yeah, doesn't, doesn't it? It, it really it sounds great. Also, Mickey's Trick or Treat show, perfect for young guests. This new interactive stage production invites kids of all ages to join Mickey Mouse and his palace as they throw a one-of-a-kind Halloween party, enjoy dancing, not-so-frightening scary tales, and candy, yes, more candy, <laughs> Yeah. at the Disney Theater in Hollywood Land. And also, there'll be character encounters, uh, meet beloved Disney characters and villains, too. And don't be surprised at who you discover on the Halloween party, ready for photos and greetings. So that's, yeah, really Fun stuff. Yeah, really cool. I'm glad they're adding to the Halloween season this yeah, time. Yeah, and again, we're thinking about doing that. I like that it's at uh, Disney California Adventure Park too, because you know they most recently, up until like we're we're going to just uh, next week, we're going to do the uh, Disneyland After Dark Heroes Assemble, which will yes. be our first nighttime event at uh, Disney California Adventure right. Park, and we're excited about that. I'm glad that this is going over there as well, gives more options, and of course, uh, you know, the obvious reason why they're doing this is because they know there's going to be so much much going on with the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge over at Disneyland Park. Right, that they can pull some activities to the other park. But uh, this sounds really cool. I really, really am thinking we should try and get this done. If you want to join in the fun, uh, the reservations are available, or tickets go on sale anyway, uh, beginning on April 23rd. So it's just a couple days from now. Again, this is April 21st, so they go on sale on Tuesday. Uh, That's to Disney Vacation Club members and Disney Visa card holders, as well as uh, resort annual pass holders. For the general public, they go on sale on April 30th, and they have the dates on the website if you want to look at all the various dates and, and check out what might work for you. But it's it's various dates uh, throughout as we lead up to Halloween. Yeah, so. Very cool. Check it out. Check it out. Very cool. And we may be there one of those nights. I love also people come in costume and everything for those things. Right. And it's just a lot of fun. They're yeah, a lot more. Fun, fun events. Enthusiasm in the air. Yeah, really good stuff. So we'll definitely be looking into that. Uh, another news this week, more Disneyland Resort news. They officially announced this week that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is also coming to the Disneyland Resort. Yay. Yay. The 
again from the Disney Parks blog. Disneyland Park guests will be able to step into a cartoon world and join Mickey and his friends on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway coming to Mickey's Toontown in 2022. Sounds good to have something new going there. That area hasn't had a lot of uh, refurbishments or additions Anything in quite new, a long right, time. Wild, right. yeah. So it's it's so. good that they're going to add another a third attraction over to that area. What it sounds like, um, that's fun. Uh, so anyway, the the first major Mickey-themed ride-through attraction at Disneyland Park will put you inside the wacky and unpredictable world of Mickey Mouse cartoon short, where anything can happen. Once you step into the cartoon world of Mickey and Minnie, you'll board a train with Goofy as the engineer, (laughs) then one magical moment after the next leads you to a zany, out-of-control adventure filled with surprising twists and turns. So Cute. Yeah, and this, this is also going to be opening up, of course, we knew this ahead of time at Walt Disney World Resort at Disney Hollywood Studios, back where the uh, great movie ride used right. to be at the, the Grauman's Chinese Theater there. Uh, that has been delayed. They thought it might be open this year at some point, 2019. They've now pushed it back till spring of 2020 is when it looks like that'll be opening. But, you know, it's, it's too bad it's going to be delayed and it's not going to be ready like we're going to be out there in June. Right. We were hoping it might be, but not bad. That it, I, I'd rather see them get it right than try and rush this to get it open too early. That's true. That is a good point. So, so look forward to we'll both. Be patient. Of... There's a lot of other great things yeah. going on. So yeah, I've heard there's a couple things opening up. This yes. year. I don't know. But One or two. Don't know what we could possibly do at the parks if Mickey's <laughs> Runaway Railway is not open. Mickey's Minnie's Runaway Railway is not open anyway. So speaking of Minnie, yeah. Hey, Disney Cruise Line announced its new captain this week. That's right. It's Minnie Mouse. Yes. It's so exciting. That is exciting. This from the Disney Cruise Line blog. Wait. By the way, if you're like Disney cruises and want to go on Disney cruises or fun in the past and you don't know the Disney Cruise Line blog, it is a great site for all things Disney Cruise Line. Check it out. It's a really good blog. Uh, what the, he says is after 20 plus years of serving as first mate, Minnie Mouse has been promoted to captain. Yay. In Minnie's new role, she will oversee all new youth nautical program with maritime scholarships as the next generation of young leaders and dreamers set sail into their futures. Disney Cruise Line will be working to inspire the next generation of female leaders in the maritime industry by funding scholarships to empower girls and young women to pursue careers in the cruise industry. That's so awesome. And I love also that they're going to be, you know, having some additional programs that are, um, you know, uh, STEM related. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's great to have that type of, um, what do I want to say here? Empowerment. Empowerment, mm-hmm. right. For, uh, and, and that kids can be on the cruise. They're going to have an amazing time. But to have that also, that uh, type of experience is great to hear and love Captain Minnie. I love Captain Minnie. That's so awesome. That is. So deserved of that title. I I think it's wonderful. Uh, You can already see her. She's already out on the the four Disney cruise ships. Uh, And interesting is that I believe this is the first time we've seen Minnie Mouse wearing pants. I think she's always been in a skirt up until this point. Hmm. And some, well, I've also seen pictures of her as Captain Minnie in a skirt, but the pictures that were posed for originally were she was in pants. Which nice. Is interesting. And I don't recall ever seeing her in pants before, but she always, as always, looked, pulled them off as stylishly as Minnie always does. She looked uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, she does. And, you know, I guess, you know, uh, with... 
three new ships coming in the next several years. You know, that's going to be seven Disney cruise ships. Of course, they're going to need more captains. Right. Uh, you know, Minnie was, you know, definitely the needed to step into that role for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's really good news. Uh, very exciting stuff. And uh, look forward to seeing Minnie, Captain Minnie, when we get on to our next Disney cruise, which uh, right now is going to be the Panama Canal uh, next year that we're doing. Right. So, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it is the first time Minnie Mouse is wearing pants. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. Just went through them really quickly because we were really long on our Star Wars episode, as we tend to be when we talk Star Wars. There's so much really to talk about, long. so we tend to go really long. So sorry. Just wanted to get to the... No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> it was important talking, and we had a great chat about uh, about an interesting movie that can pull people in many different ways. So, uh, But we never wrap up an episode without getting to our vacation tips of the week. Some Something that might help you out on your next vacation, whether it be at the Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Resort, whether you're going to Disney Cruise Line, run Disney, even just going to see the films, whatever you may be doing, we try and give you a little tip that might help you out. And of course, we always start with Michelle because <laughs> she has just the absolute best tips. Like her tips are so good that I often copy them and <laughs> claim them as my own because that's how good they are that I need to take credit for them because my tips just pale in comparison to hers. So funny. Let's get to it. Let's quickly get to Michelle's tip of the week. Right. And I'll try to wrap this up quickly too. Um, So if you've listened in the past, you may have heard one of my tips talks about looking up and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the, the emphasis is that there's so much around that don't take for granted just what's going on at your eye level when you're at a Disney park, that there's a lot of great, wonderful things if you look up. I believe Lynn manuel sang about that, as that's a matter of right. fact. Mary that's Poppins right. Returns. I'm still yeah. waiting on my uh, check, Lynn. <laughs> or just come on the show. I know. <laughs> That'd be fine, Lynn. Please, just come on the show. Um, but anyways, this tip is kind of similar in nature, but not saying look up again. It's more listen, because um, there's also some fun things related to sound that you can experience at the parks. So I'm going, I'm really going to focus today on Disneyland. And first off, um, you know, if you're like us, you're probably going to make at some point a stop at Starbucks on Main Street, USA. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't, you don't have to go in and purchase anything. But if you go inside, immediately on the wall inside, um, there are two old-fashioned phones on the wall that are near that entrance. And pick them up, and you can hear some real fun conversations between friends. It's, you know, kind of like the old party line Mm -hmm. theme. Um, So it's just kind of fun hearing you know, doing that. It's And also on Main Street, USA, take a little stroll down on that side area, walkway. Um, they have some tables and chairs there as well. But you can... Kind of by where the lockers are. Right, exactly. But there's also other types of ambient sound going on there. So if you, again, look up, there is uh, a window that has on it that it's the piano lesson shop. And there... It has the window cracked, and you can hear piano lessons going on mm-hmm. there. There's also a dentist office. <laughs> that one was funny. We heard that one when we were out there. Yeah. Uh, so there's a dentist office there, and uh, it's not, again, these things, they're not um, a continuous. I don't know how to explain this. At any given moment, you might have to wait for for the sounds to come again. Intermittent. Right, right, intermittent. But anyways, the dentist's office is is really funny. And then uh, also down that street, there's, if you listen hard, you might hear Pluto and friends getting ready as they prepare to come on stage. So um, some fun little sounds there. 
uh, in Fantasyland in front of Snow White's Scary Adventure Attraction. Uh, I'll just say there's a brass apple there. Go take the moment and rub the brass apple and, you know, enjoy that as well. Um, in addition to sound, there's some other little details. Uh, Going back again to Main Street, USA, there is a door that's a Disneyland casting agency door. Mm -hmm. um, and there you'll also see a poster with some real creative jobs available if you want to have a job in the in Disneyland. Right. So um, anyways, it you know, none of these things are super phenomenal. They're just little cute touches to help. Little details. Yeah, immerse you into... Uh, what the Imagineers put together for you to experience in the park. So next time you take a trip to the park, take a few moments to enjoy some of these little touches that are there to make the experience that much more rich. It is. It, it, Disney does such a good job with that in that there's so many little tiny touches, like you said, little knickknacks, mm -hmm. little details that really immerse you within the experience so well. And a lot of it you don't really even notice. It's just there. And it was like the background music that's playing down right. Main Street and down uh, various different areas of the park uh, that, you know, you don't really notice it, but it's there all the time and it helps you feel a certain way as you go into the parks. And I think you would notice it if it was suddenly gone, like they stopped yes. the soundtrack. It would sound a lot different. Disney, whether it be Disneyland or the Magic Kingdom or any of the other parks would sound a little different or feel a little differently to you but it's just all these little touches that are everywhere that you can go to the parks hundreds of hundreds of times and we've been a lot not, yes. not that many but a lot <laughs> and we still see these little things that we've never seen before we did it just yesterday when we were at the park we saw things that we had never seen before right and again it, that casting agency poster is yeah i'd never hilarious. seen that before. i'd seen the casting agency door many times right i never paid close attention to that but and it's just it's great some of these some of these job postings on there are just classic and wonderful it's right. great i love it I love it. So that's a lot of fun. So yes, definitely take the time and enjoy the parks, even just the little tiny details. And it really, really uh, it, it helps your experience so much more. And even if you don't stop to take the time, uh, just know that those are out there and they are making your experience that much better right. and that Disney does that regularly for you. Yes. Yeah. So cool. Good tip. Michelle's tip. Always the best. I'll be stealing that in about three months. <laughs> You know, I'll be bringing that up, and so just just to let you know, I'll just oh, prepare. Funny. I'm writing it on my calendar right, right now. So in July, <laughs> steal this tip. Uh, let's get to my tip, which is actually is not stolen from Michelle. So uh, well, let's won't see. Be, so it won't be that good. Um, but my quick tip, you know, we just talked about uh, Captain Minnie and Disney Cruise Line. That's exciting yes. stuff. So I, my tip is a Disney Cruise Line tip, and that is uh, for something when you're enjoying what the entertainment is aboard a Disney Cruise Line ship. Now we all know if you've been on Disney. Disney Cruise Line, at least you've heard of it, uh, the entertainment that's on board a Disney Cruise Line ship is top-notch. In, in our opinion, the best at sea. You can't find better. They have first-run Disney movies there and then Broadway-type uh, quality shows in the evenings. Mm -hmm. You can't beat it. Now, right outside both the Buena Vista Theater, where they show the movies, and the Walt Disney Theater, where they have the stage shows, mm -hmm. there are stands where you can buy candy and snacks right. and popcorn you can do that and there's nothing wrong with that definitely you know treat the kids you're on vacation treat yourself you're on vacation go ahead but if you wanted to save just a little bit of money and not go out there and every time you're going to a show be buying popcorn be mm -hmm. buying candy and everything 
Here's a little tip for something you could do instead. If the buffet is still open, go up there and hit up some of the snacks from the buffet. And right. You can bring those into the theater. Go up there and pick up a few things that are ha- easily handled, cookies, you know, some of the stuff that you can bring into the theater and eat easily. Go ahead and grab it from there. I mean, it's included in the price of your cruise. That's true. Go ahead and take advantage of it. Uh, and you could do that, like I said, for the movies for sure. Sometimes it's still available for you when you're doing the nighttime shows, especially if you're doing the early show. If you have late dining, uh, you can grab a couple snacks there. Of course, don't grab too much because you don't want to ruin your meal right. coming up because they are great meals aboard Disney Cruise Line. But um that is one way to do it. You can also order straight to from room service into your room uh, and, and get things that are delivered to you. Yes, you, you should tip uh, whoever's bringing that to you a buck or two, depending on how much they're bringing. But you can get cookies delivered to you, right. sandwiches. You can even get Mickey bars delivered right to your room and take a Mickey bar down yeah, into the movie or down into uh, the show. And that's another way. And that's open all the time. You can do that at any time. So. Just one little way to kind of get those snacks. If you want those snacks when you're at these shows, keep the kids happy. Keep nice. yourself happy. Have a good time and not be paying all the time for the popcorn and the candy and everything else. You get that stuff that's already kind of included within your price. Right. As well as the soft drinks. So right. They have the yes. soft drink stations mm-hmm. and they as also, well. They also have the soft serve ice cream upstairs True. as well. That's also uh, included within your price. Also, if you are splurged and are doing concierge, uh, be sure and hit up your concierge host before you go to any of these shows because they will give you bags of popcorn right. a lot of times or other things that they have that might you can go take down to the show. So definitely take advantage of that. Don't miss out on that chance. And also, a lot of times in these uh, the concierge lounge, there are little snacks and everything as well in there that you might want to bring right. with you. Too, and, and sodas and water and such. So. Great tip. Thank you. Thank you. Good so, tip. Not as good, good as tip. your tip. Oh, I don't know. That was but, really good. But... Uh, at least this one is mine. I can claim this one is my tip. Anyway. So anyway, that's it for this week's show. Next week, we're transitioning for a week where we're talking about Star Wars to a week where we're talking about Marvel. Wow. Exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Next week, of course, it's finally here. Avengers Endgame, the yes. wrap-up of the Avengers Saga, the wrap-up of Phase 3. Although I heard somewhere that uh, they're actually going to continue Phase 3 a little bit into the Spider-Man movie that's coming out. This, But really, this is because that kind of falls back in the timeline, allegedly. Yeah. It's confusing. But anyway, this is really kind of the, the wrap-up of the, the whole Avengers series, and it's exciting. Uh, we're going to be screening this on Tuesday in the afternoon on the yeah. 23rd. Uh, we'll be back with some social media response to it that afternoon. We'll have a spoiler-free written review for you sometime on the 24th, on the Wednesday, uh, to let you know what we thought about it. Uh, and then when we get to our podcast next week, next Sunday, we're going to give you a spoiler-free section and a spoiler-full section. So depending on if you've seen it, which apparently just about everybody is going to see this film because they're, like they're saying it could hit $800 million in its first weekend, wow. you know. Um, if you've seen it, you know, then you might want to listen to the spoiler part. Uh, if you haven't, then we'll also have that spoiler-free area for you so you can hear what we think about it, what we liked, what we didn't like without giving anything away to you. And those will be definitely delineated. We'll have some sort of – I'll try and have a better alarm than I had last time for it, something that will be much more interesting uh, that's, to split them up and we'll ch- – you know, chapter separate them and whatever we need to do, you know, we'll maybe put it right in the notes of when to 
fast forward because we don't want to spoil anything for you at all. But we also want to be able to have the chance that so many people, by the time we put this podcast out, will have seen it right. to talk about the things we've seen as well. Yeah, and if they're listening to it later in the week, <clears throat> right. you know, may or have had a chance as well. even weeks later because sure. you know, obviously we put these podcasts out and they're out there for people sometimes don't find us for months after we've put these right. out. So, you know, and they've seen Endgame several sure. times, you sure. know. So we want to have that ability out there. Right. Um, so that's going to be exciting. We're so excited to go see this movie. Yeah. I, I, I mean, counting down the days uh, since once uh, they announced it. And then when we found out we were going to be able to go to the screening of it. And I've just been counting on the days. I'm so excited for Tuesday. Oh, I know. Me too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be fun. So, and then we'll, of course, have lots of other stuff for you, just like we have every show for you next week. And we are looking forward to getting back with you. And now, if you want to follow us in some of our stuff that we're going to be talking about, Avengers and Game of again, we're not going to spoil anything for you. I promise. We will not do that. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you want to contact us at any time for any reason, as well as on social media, you can also email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and please do let us know what you thought of today's episode. If there's uh, things that you would like us to cover in future episodes, we really want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We definitely love hearing from all our Hyperion Adventures. You people are great. We love you all. Uh, you found us today. In the future, you can find us on our website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. That's also where I'll have that written review, spoiler-free written review of Avengers Endgame uh, later this week. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also find us on SoundCloud, by the way. And I think we're going to have something hammered out this week where we have a new podcast server. I think I'm going to just finally do it this week. So uh, there may be a couple bumps, but I I think it'll be pretty seamless for you once we do that. Right. So... And we do appreciate, as I mentioned earlier, tell a friend. Tell a friend. If you got time, uh, give us a rating and review. We really, really appreciate that. It all helps everybody else out there find that this podcast is something that they might like to listen to. Yes. So thank you for listening to us already. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you all. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You guys, really, I mean, we couldn't be continuing to do this podcast if you people out there weren't so wonderful. And just, Oh, by the way, speaking of wonderful, I, I, I can't believe I went this far into the show without talking about part of our world podcast oh, again. Yes. You guys... Yay! We're not worthy. Really, you guys, you're just you're just too sweet to us. Yes. Some of the things they say about us on Twitter, they did another thing. Um, someone put out there for Follow Friday, you know, you know nominate somebody who, uh, who who inspires you for you know this award on Twitter or whatever, and they said the sweetest things about us. And you guys are great. Yes. Um, and we really love listening to your podcast. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't listened to them. And eventually we're going to line up something where we get them on our show yeah, uh, for oh sure. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try and work that out once we get oh, so we're, we're also doing, I think we mentioned it in the past, we are doing the we are going to do the virtual, virtual Run Disney 5Ks. Uh, we want you all to join us. We've got some other podcasts and bloggers that are going to take part in it with us. Uh, we haven't nailed down a date yet where when these races are going to take place, but as soon as we do, we will be back to you, and we'd love to have you guys take part in that as well with us. So um, really, 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 really uh, love to have you involved in this fun, fun event that we're going to have out there. And get out and have some fun energy and yes. excitement and running or walking or whatever you want to do. So cool. All right, I've gone way too long. Let's wrap yes. up the show. Thank you for listening to the Hyperion Adventures <laughs> podcast. We look forward to sharing some more time with you again next week. But until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.